Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. What's up, everybody? How we doing today? I want to welcome all of our locations online and those at physical locations. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor. And before we even preach God's word, I, I just really sense God wants to do something very special today at the Block Church and in your life. I trust that at every location, uh, your worship time of music was powerful and the Spirit of God was moving. I can speak for our broadcast location that the faith is high in the room. And God is with us today. And um, I just want to say to you that if, if you got a little bit of faith for God to do something, He can do a lot. And if you're, if you're struggling in your body, you got a, a sickness in your body, if you, man, if you're just emotionally just in a, in a dark place, if, if you need deliverance or freedom, I just believe today could be that day. And I just want to speak that over you. I just, I just believe God wants to do something. He's doing something special, but wants to do something remarkable, revival-esque in our body. And if you receive that, if you just receive God's best for you, would you maybe just hold out your hands like you're receiving a gift at every location? And I just want to pray and speak into your life in Jesus' name right now that some of you are listening and you're not even believers yet, but today's the day. You've sought spirituality out. You were seeking something. You didn't know what it was, but today you're going to realize it's Jesus, the name above all names, the King of Kings, the only answer to life's painful questions. The creator of the universe is here to receive you and hold you and remind you you're his child. I pray over sicknesses today. I pray over mental illness today. I pray over fear and darkness and witchcraft craft, that it be gone in Jesus' name. Spirit of God, have your way in this church. We receive and stand in the place for revival in our city. We thank you for the souls that will be saved today and the lives that will be changed, the marriages that will be renewed, and the things that will be different because your people gathered in Jesus' name. Amen. You receive that today, every location. Come on, a lot of proud. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Uh, well, excited to preach week five of our series, More Life. And we are studying the book of Acts. And I, I know last week, I really enjoyed preaching. Uh, I talked about integrity last week. And uh, this week, I'm actually going to talk about another subject I've never devoted a whole message to. Um, and I think the best way uh, that I can illustrate it is this, that charismatics are awesome. Amen. Okay, nobody really cared. You're like, what's charismatic? Well, I just, we are charismatic. We are people of the spirit. You know, like we are, we, we are, we are careful to stay aligned to the word of God. We're not hyper charismatics, but we are, but we are people of the spirit. And, uh, and, and that's an awesome thing. Um, but sometimes, sometimes uh, hyper-charismania can, not necessarily in our church, but, you know, you've seen it. You've seen it maybe on TV, maybe you've experienced it. And uh, sometimes uh, 
people in uh, maybe charismania or Pentecostalism, if that's a word, uh, can, can get carried away. Would you agree? You've seen that before. Maybe you haven't because you've only been in this church. You're like, wow, pretty grounded. Okay. Um, but, but anyway, um, I, I, you know, one of the things of, of the Spirit is there's gifts of the Spirit. You know, you have things like prophecy. And what is prophecy? Um, prophecy is really, in, in layman's terms, it's to encourage someone uh, through the Spirit. Uh, it would be to call things that are not as though they are. Uh, it would be to give someone a warning that is unknown to you, but the Spirit is impressing on you to give them a warning or, or uh, about their life or sin or something coming. Or it's to speak into their future. That, that would be prophecy, New Testament prophecy, encouraging someone in the Lord. But uh, so as much as there might be uh, uh, those who prophesy, I also think there are those who prophesy. I've trademarked this, okay? And um, if you've been around some, some hyper charismania, maybe you've been a recipient of some prophesying. And one time uh, I was a youth pastor and this lady was like, this, this lady was like, I see in the spirit uh, these two currents and they're coming together, these electric currents and they're gonna come together and when they come together, it's gonna be an explosion. And that is you uh, and this young lady. And, thank you. And, and, uh, and, 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 th and this is gonna be your wife. And uh, I was like, well, and I'm thinking to myself, well, it's not. She just graduated high school and you are the friend of that girl's mom. <laughs> so get behind me, Satan. You know, I was like, she was feeding me though I ate and then I kind of slipped out, you know. Um, you know, that's a prophylly, okay? And uh, I, think, um, I think more than ever, we have to, it's always been like this, but we have to test the spirits of the age. Uh, even in church, you know, for us to go on great adventures with God, we can't get thrown off course by false prophets, false gods, false spirituality, uh, people who stand and say that they're believers when there's no fruit in their life and then they speak into our life. There is but one Holy Spirit uh, one Savior in Jesus Christ, one God who is our Father, and anyone or anything that comes in any other name, including their flesh, is not right, is in sin, and is being used by the enemy. And so I want to preach a message today. I want to title it, Test the Spirits. Test the Spirits. And I know it's not a super fun title, like my title last week, Do You Have Integrity? Uh, um, but I think this is going to be very helpful. And you're like, well, how's this going to apply to my life? You got to pay attention in your life, wherever you go. You got to understand the atmosphere. Like you have to understand the vibes of a place. And, and this is going to be helpful to you. So uh, we're, we're going to go to Acts chapter 8. Before I read, I want to give you a little context, okay? Stephen, who's a leader in the early church in Jerusalem, has just been martyred. He's been murdered for his faith. This was actually led by Saul, who later changes his name, okay, to Paul once he gets saved in Acts 9. And he's also, uh, by other religious leaders, being persecuted, right? And after this, the church scatters through Samaria and Judea due to a great wave of persecution. 
Remember the early church has started, but then they get scattered because of this. While many of them were dispersed, uh, the, 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 the apostles stayed, right? Peter, some of these guys kind of stayed in Jerusalem. But I wanna break down this word dispersed for a moment because the actual word scattered or dispersed here means to spread. And so in their difficulty, in their disbursement, they actually spread the gospel substantially. I just wanna keep in front of us that when, when bad things happen, God is often up to something good. Okay, so the Bible says, verse four, but the believers, chapter eight, verse four, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming, as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. How many would agree we need that kind of action in our city? We need people to be healed, to be saved, people to be intently listening to the gospel instead of other things. We need demons to be delivered from people, right? Uh, we, we, we need paralyzed and lamed and emotionally sick and uh, all these different things. We, we need people healed. And, and, and the result of that will, that will be that there is great joy in our city and region. That's what I'm going for. I don't, I don't know why you've gathered today, but I've gathered today because that's what I'm going for. Now, about 750 years prior to this, the Assyrians conquered this area of northern Israel and deported all the wealthy and middle-class Jews from that area. So then they moved in a pagan population from afar. Okay, so these pagans uh, intermarried with the lowest classes of the remaining Jews in northern Israel, Israel, and from these people came the Samaritans. This is important. The Jews in Jerusalem really resented the Samaritans all because they considered them half-breeds, compromising half-breeds who corrupted the worship of the true God. Now, thankfully, in John 4, Jesus goes and he has this encounter with a Samaritan woman and he lays down a bridge for reconciliation with the woman at the well. This is important because as they're scattered and as Philip is ministering, you have to understand that uh, at times the, the church uh, can be so afraid of what's happening in culture and the world that we end up subconsciously, we end up accidentally hating those who were called to love and reach. And, and so uh, just because we're not meant to hate and, 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 and you know, be angry with the people in the world or in culture, uh, it doesn't mean we also have to do the things that people in the culture do, okay? But, but Philip had been touched by Jesus. He was full of the Holy Spirit, commissioned by the church as a leader. He had a burning love for others to know Jesus, even the Samaritans, this is what happens when God is at work with you. You begin to have a, a deep love for people you didn't love before, 
God gets a hold of your life, all of a sudden, wow, I do love my family. I do love my crazy uncle. You know, I, I do love my neighbors, even though they have ruined my block. I love them. You know, it's like when the spirit of God is at work in a person or a people, a few things happen. We read it starting in verse four, but I'll recap it. Miraculous signs and healings take place. You cannot be afraid to lay hands on people at your job and believe that God is going to move in their life. If God chooses not to physically heal someone, that's his business and there might be a greater purpose for it. And if they're a believer, they will be healed in eternity. But you can't sit here and worry about God's reputation. You just got to say yes to God. <laughs> Secondly, wrong and evil spirits are cast out and dealt with. My wife did that to me this morning. <laughs> Laid hands. She said, get behind me, Satan. No, I'm kidding, but kind of, but what, what, what I think is, is like, and, and this, look, this, I think this part of it actually takes training. And, and, and I think that's important. You can be aware of a spirit uh, uh, or aware of demonic influence and you can have power over it and authority over it. But to, And even in your own life, guard yourself from it. Uh, but I do believe there's some training that could go with developing an ability to recognize and cast out and bring people into a layer of deliverance. But I believe it's, it's, it's possible for believers. Uh, thirdly, great joy follows with unexplainable love for others. Okay, that's the activity of the Holy Spirit in a church and with individuals. You got it? Great love for people. We're, we're winning people to Christ. We're, we're praying. We're, we're seeing healing of all sorts, emotional, physical, relationships. Uh, people are getting delivered from pagan ideas and lifestyles and even demons and 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 hangups and addictions, right? And then, and then lastly, great joy follows this sort of activity where you have this unexplainable love for others. That's the working of the spirit. Does everybody understand that? Okay, on the contrary, Paul lays out what is contrary to the spirit of God. Galatians 5 verse 16 through 21. It's, it's kind of funny, by the way, that we're talking about how, how Stephen's martyred and killed by this guy, and then he ends up giving us instruction for the church. Look what God can do, right? And so Galatians 5, 16 through 21. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to say something about this first. Please hear me that uh, a moment or an event does not define you. 
A bad decision doesn't define you. Okay, but and 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 just because you might have a, a moment where, where you miss it, it does not mean that you are full of demons either. But the Holy Spirit helps us conquer our flesh, and and we don't have we're not obligated to sin, and we're not obligated to live under a law uh, that it, that when we do, we got to go sacrifice a physical lamb. We confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But when this stuff is a lifestyle, when it is a passion of yours, you are not directed by the Holy Spirit. When there's no conviction in your life. Do you see the contrast between God's spirit and the spirit of the enemy? And I will say at times, the enemy can be more subtle, but there's a contrast. If, if you're testing the spirit and you see that in certain people's lives that you go to work with, that you're friends with, whatever it is, that you see these patterns in their life, you need to guard yourself. It's not that you can't have relationship, but you know you need to win these people to Christ, but you need to guard yourself because this is not something that you want to become a part of your lifestyle. Now, I want to go to verse 9. We're going to, we're going to change a little bit of speed here, okay? Verse 9, the Bible says of Acts 8, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with magic. Okay, um, I, I, something I want to point out. When you or when someone is constantly drawing attention of greatness to themselves, okay, that is contrary to the pattern, lifestyle, thought process of the believer. We are drawing greatness to the Lord, we are drawing greatness. We thank God for his beautiful creation, but we don't worship creation. We worship the creator who painted it and made it, okay? And it's like, it's like when, 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 when we assume, and you, you, we see this, this is our world, when we assume I'm great, I'm wonderful, I'm beautiful, I'm this, it's okay to have confidence, Okay, and it's okay to know that you are beautiful and make those declarations. But, but, but when you are so self-consumed, it is evidence of pride. And when that's what you draw people to see in your life, when people think of you, oh, so great, so whatever, instead of, wow, God is so good that they've used this person and blessed this person and anointed this person. This is a sign of the enemy at work. Now, the Bible says that Simon was a sorcerer. Okay, sorcery is associated with the occult, magical practices, crystals, witchcraft, Ouija boards, psychics, and often taking of mind and mood-altering drugs. Okay, so whatever real power this Simon had, it was from Satan, not God. Okay, These, the specific wording indicates that Simon was a Magi. So you remember the, the three kings, you know, the Magi, okay? Listen to this, okay? 
Um, in ancient world, there was a class of astronomers and scientists known as Magi, Matthew 2.1. They bring Jesus gifts. But local wizards and sorcerers also took the good title and manipulated it. They used it to prey on the ignorance and innocence and superstitions of the common people. So what Simon has now done, Simon the sorcerer, is he's calling himself something that he isn't, and he's ruining a good name, something good, and, and he's redefining the definition of what's good. Are we seeing that in our world today? We redefine the definitions of common sense constantly. That is sorcery. The Bible says in Leviticus 19.31, do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or to those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord, your God. Now, I, I don't wanna make people feel bad, okay? What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to maybe take some veils off your eyes or, or help illuminate to you that you might be doing some dangerous things engaging in some of this activity. Okay, I wanna talk about this. The enemy and the dark side have power too. The difference between someone with dark power and godly power is that dark power will manipulate, elevate personal praise, confuse reality and consciousness, fuzz the truth, and take you into a realm of darkness in which you are God. Think Adam and Eve and the serpent saying, she'll be like God. That's the enemy. Dark power can also be very hateful, sexual, outside of God's design, and toxic. Think Jezebel. Dark power, listen to this, dark power is always counterfeit to God's power. Imitation that falls short of hope. So we have to pay attention to these things. For instance, you know what's become popular? Have you heard uh, people uh, talk about that they're manifesting? Have you heard this before? I'm, manif I'm, I'm gonna manifest this, right? I, I, I'm manifesting a red, you know, Corvette, you know, I don't know, like uh, convertible. I couldn't think of it in my driveway, you know? And it's like, you know, because, uh, and, and it can be a little bit, Confusing. Here's what manifesting is. It's, it's a self-help exercise that refers to focusing your thoughts on a desired outcome through practices like mindfulness, visualization, and meditation in order to bring it into reality. Okay, this is messy. Here's why. Because we as believers should have good thoughts and in a sense, we speak things into existence because the power of life and death is in the tongue, okay? But all of that has to be weighted against God's will. Not my will, but thy will. Ultimately, we don't control, we are not God. Manifesting puts you in the place of God. The only time you're allowed to manifest is when it is in relation to the Philadelphia sports teams. You can do whatever you want. Okay, freedom. I'm just kidding. It, doesn't, it hasn't worked. Okay, so anyway, 
do, do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's not my will, it's, it's thy will. So I'm speaking things as, as though, I'm speaking things that are not as though they are, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing it from a place of God's will, God's heart, God's character, God's word, right? And so we're, we're believing. So oh, it is messy. There, there's, there's a little bit of a line. But we're not sitting here manifesting things uh, that this is my will, this is what I want so I can be glorified and, and hooked up. God does the blessing. We do the seed sowing. We don't manifest our way, we seek his way. And when we sense we have his way in our soul, that's when we begin to speak and pray and declare and hope. Verse 12, but now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went. And he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When Simon saw, verse 18, we'll jump. When Simon saw that the spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy their power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. First of all, this is why Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.22, first part of it, never be in a hurry about pointing, appointing a church leader. It's why it's so important for us to, why, why we are so careful to add elders, why we are so careful to even add specific staff roles, and we're slow. It's because we should lay hands on no man suddenly because some are still working out their faith and need to be solid. Now, a church leader and a staff member you know, doesn't have to be perfect, okay? But there's an element of, of maturation and understanding that is required to be a church leader. 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, the whole truth, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. If someone claims to be a Christian, but their lifestyle and their belief system is not reflected in the truth of the word of God and God's idea and design for humans and for humans to flourish, that it's Christ and Christ crucified, that God designed sexuality the way that he designed it, that there's a belief that God established the church to be a vehicle to deliver Jesus to his people. Right, and you can go through a list of things that are essential. If those people are off on those things, then there's an element of false prophecy in them and you need to be able to understand how to shut that down. Friends, not everyone who gets baptized or who has an encounter with God is fully discipled yet. 
are full of divine wisdom yet. Not everyone who claims to be a Christian actually is. There's plenty of celebs who claim to be, but there's no fruit. There's plenty of churches, authors, Christian influencers, and even preachers who affirm sin and make the scriptures say what is convenient for how they feel. We have to test the spirit. We have to test the spirit against the word of God. We have to test the spirit against a multitude of counselors. We have to test the spirit against our prayer time. We have to test the spirit against our spiritual leaders. We have to test the spirit against spiritual fruit of others' lives. Amen. Maybe I could have, I, I could have, I could have led that a little more to lead for a clapping, okay? work on my communication skills. It's not your fault. It's my fault. You know, so I'm not telling you to obsessively and constantly be a contrarian. I'm not telling you to to live constantly skeptical, okay? But I am telling you to live a lifestyle that listens to the Holy Spirit and is careful what you listen to and receive. And someone tells you something spiritual, when you hear something spiritual, when you watch someone spiritual, like when you get advice, okay, I, I hear it now, I'm gonna pray on it. I'm not just gonna go, you know, quit my job and move to Alaska. You know, I don't know. You know, a, a new believer goes into a block group. They may have great wisdom. Okay, they might have a a, a, a level of, of of spiritual insight, but also, a new believer needs to, to listen in a block group and grow and learn. And, 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 a, and a seasoned believer needs to take them under their wing and help develop them. And not judge them when someone says something wrong, but bring loving correction and counsel. So question for you, was Simon the sorcerer a true believer? Was he saved? Honestly, we don't know. That's for God to decide because there's not enough evidence about his life beyond that, but maybe he was just totally new and not discipled. Simon gave many evidences of conversion, at least outward conversion, right? He, he expressed belief in the preaching of Philip. Philip received Simon as a kind of a follower, and Simon even attended meetings of Christians. So I, I don't know the answer there, but, but more importantly, we can love people like Simon who are in their process but not, listen, but not affirm, excuse, accept, promote, or repost misplaced desires or doctrine. I'm gonna say that again because my words got funny. Here we go. And you're gonna, it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna do it together. We can love people like Simon who are in their process, but not affirm, excuse, accept, promote, or repost misplaced desires or doctrine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm having a little fun with you, right? But do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, you can, however, listen to this. You can, however, have an old mindset that poisons your new belief system. Okay, it's why we must be discipled, filled with the Spirit, corrected. We need our mind review, renewed. We need to have accountability. We need to be in block groups, on teams, in church, listening to true biblical teaching on a regular basis because there is a shift, a transition, right? Our hearts can be regenerated when we receive Christ, but there are some old mindsets that must be renewed. And in verse 20, I'm closing with this. But Peter replied, 
to Simon, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray, Simon goes, pray to the Lord for me. Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. Now, this is the last statement he makes, and it's very revealing. He seems, Simon seems to be more concerned about terrible things happening to him versus losing his soul. That these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. Not God, change my heart, forgive me, deliver me, I'm sorry, I submit, whatever. It's, it's I don't want terrible things to happen to me. He wants to escape physical consequences, but not spiritual consequences of not being right with God. Test the spirit. Test your own spirit. Are you more concerned about terrible things happening to you versus terrible things happening to your soul? It's not proven, okay? But Christian tradition says this, Justin Martyr, who was a first century church philosopher and other Christian apologists like uh, Arrhenius insist he was an antichrist and continued his sorcery, even founding Gnosticism, which is the secret knowledge cult that the world was created by lesser divinity itself. The greed of Simon is recalled in the modern world, simony, which is using religion as a means of profit. And you even see that in some institutions today. Question for you, as I close, could you handle this kind of rebuke that Peter gave Simon the sorcerer? He said, get right, fix this, you got a bitter root. Could you handle this if you're location pastor, if you're coordinator, if you're block group leader, if a friend, if an elder came up to you and said this, or are you more concerned with bad things happening to your reputation and your life versus the decay of your soul? You wanna test where you're at? You wanna test where you're at with your journey with God? If someone who is a seasoned, faithful, loving believer cannot bring correction and accountability into your life, you have a very spiritual soul problem. You need healing. You need to understand why these things, these, this root of pride is in you. If you cannot submit to an element of authority, you need to deal with this because the enemy is fighting tooth and nail for your soul and he has a foothold. There's a period in which my son was having bad dreams, okay? And I was honestly tired of the 2 a.m. wake up cries. I said, enough's enough. I know you're three and a half or whatever you are. But I'm gonna teach you how to take authority over the enemy. So I went in his room and I started trying to explain this to him that, man, if you're feeling a heaviness, 
If you're scared, fear is not from God. If you sense there's something in your room, you need to, you need to say in Jesus' name, be gone. And, you know, it took a while to help my toddler or three-year-old or whatever understand this. He's almost six now, but... Um, one day we were watching Superbook and it was the story of David and Goliath. And I, I told you the Superbook cartoon, they're very graphic. And after David knocks Goliath down with the stone, David walks over just like the Bible and he cuts off Goliath's head. And I'm like looking at Maverick and I'm like, should I have shown him this? Like whatever. Well, that night before bed, he gets up and he says, devil, if you try to come in my room, I'm going to cut your head off like David Hunt off the head of Goliath. Don't bother me no more in Jesus' name. <laughs> and I'm like fired up, but also like I fell on the floor laughing. And like this was his pattern. Devil, I will cut your head off. Guess what? Never had a bad dream ever since that time. And if my, at the time, three-year-old, now six-year-old knows how to fight in the spirit and say, devil, get out of my head, get out of my life, get out of my mind, get out of my church, get out of my family. I'm gonna cut your head off like David cut off the life. In Jesus' name, if he can do that, you can do that. And right now in Jesus' name, I just declare every demon in hell trying to steal from you, your life, your marriage, your family, our church, be gone in Jesus' name. We're here for revival. We're here for the Spirit of God. We're here for winning and victory. Every triumph is ours in Jesus' name. Come on, you believe that? Say amen. 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 Friends, we got test of spirits. And the best part about the test is that we got the answers. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, who conquered the grave. The answer is Jesus. Will you stand to your feet at every location? Bow your head and close your eyes. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially wanna thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories, and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.